The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, we are continuing our conversation from last week on women's health Hormones and Aging with Dr. Jennifer Perlman. She is a medical doctor with a focused practice in the area of women's health and wellness. Today's primary focus and topic of conversation is our sexual libido. We always love talking about sex on this show, Dr. Perlman. It's a good topic. (laughs) And we're talking about, yeah, our sexual libido when going through the change of life. We're going to offer tips on how to rewire your sexual desire and how to handle your relationship when going through these changes. Welcome, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here. I've never had a guest come back on the show two weeks in a row. You are the first. I'm so honored. You win a prize. Congratulations. I'm honored. Or maybe you should give me a prize. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I did last time, didn't I? I gave you a little a prize of knowledge and then a little a little sample of some goodies. Yeah, but and you know what? And you're gonna come. I'm coming to see you. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna give me that prize. Too. I feel like we still will have so much to cover after this, so we may even need a three third date. I don't know about three weeks in a row. Oh but. yeah, we're gonna do that because I want to follow up because I'm gonna come and get my blood tested uh, with you this week. Yeah, and so uh, I'm gonna we're gonna do a follow up show. Well, before we went live here a minute ago, you were act- asking all about erectile dysfunction and his. Problems. So her problems are the rewiring of desire, but his problems can be a little bit different, and that just leads to a whole new set of issues. Okay, so. well, we're going to get to that <laughs> later on in the show. Okay, so Dr. Perlman, before we dive into our conversation about mm, sexual libido, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about hormone therapy that I don't think I got to ask you sure. last week. So what does hormone therapy look like? Uh, meaning, is it an injection? And, and how often do you need to get treated, and is it painful? Okay, really good questions. I think there's three, at least three important um, pieces to what you want to know if you are contemplating hormone therapy. And again, hormone health means so much more than just hormones you are taking, because don't forget through our life, there are hormones we are making, and that our body is metabolizing those hormones into metabolites that we also need to be aware of. But when it comes to hormone therapy, we want to, of course, think about which hormones we are referring to. So is it estrogen. And in fact, there's three estrogens. So which estrogen? Is it progesterone? Is it testosterone? Is there a thyroid? Are we talking adrenal hormone? So what is the hormone? Well, let's just say all three. Or, or more, right? There's over 200. So not only what is the hormone, but is it, we were talking about this uh, last week, is it bioidentical, which we defined last week to mean structurally and functionally equivalent to the hormones that we at least at one time in our life are making. So that's the what. The next question is the how. How are you taking those hormones in terms of what is the root? So there are different routes to hormones. And depending on what hormone we're talking about, there may be routes that are not advised, not safe, or possibly not effective. So by root, what I mean is, is it something that you're taking by mouth? Are you swallowing it and therefore it's absorbed 
into the through the gut and um, then possibly highly metabolized by the liver. That's the first pass effect. And that depending on the hormone, that not may not be a desirable route, for instance, when it comes to estrogens. So we know that estrogens taken orally can be more thrombogenic or increasing the risk of clot. So how we'll refer to the root oral is one, patches or creams are going to refer to the skin, so through the skin or transdermal therapy. But a very popular uh, route that I may use in the practice would be transmucosal or transvaginal. So in so uh, doing, we are using a very efficient absorptive surface of, in this case, it would be the inner mucosal surface of the labia, the inner labia, um, that allows a systemic, a full body treatment without having to go through and rely on the gut. So the how is the second question. And the third question is what's a dose? Because a dose matters a lot. Mm -hmm. So when it's like testosterone, we're talking about, well, there is bioidentical, pharmaceutical, meaning government approved testosterone. They are dosed for men. And you, Laura, last time I checked, are not a man. So I would not oh, want to treat thank goodness. you. <laughs> the way I would perhaps treat a man that needs the same hormone. Is it a therapy that people can do at home then? Well, hormone therapy, as I've described, would be something with an expert you're going to discuss. It's highly personalized. It's going to be complicated. There's going to be more than one thing. And then I give you the script and you go to, this is very important, a qualified pharmacy that would then be expert in interpreting my direction, my script as a medical doctor expert in the area, giving you the treatments for you to then do according to the schedule I've given you at home on typically a daily basis. Interesting. Okay. Exciting, actually. Uh, complicated and very it is very. It does sound very complicated, but it sounds like there, there may uh, be a light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of people. There always is. And, and one thing just on that is, you know, it's complicated, but my job is informing you. I'm the chief information officer on your health plan, whereas you are the CEO, the chief executive officer, making that decision of, is it right for you? Because ultimately, there's no must do in this area. It's really a life choice. And you debunked the uh, fact that it does not cause cancer last week on the show. Yeah, we talked about risks, you know, and, and it's never as simple as one causal factor when it comes to cancer. We need to take a break. When we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, we are going to dive into sexual libido and going through the change of life. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show, we are discussing our sexual libido when going through the change of life with Dr. Jennifer Perlman. She is an international expert on women's health, hormones, and aging. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Perlman, you wrote an article, and it's on your website, stating that an underactive libido is the common, um, the most common sexual complaint in women, affecting about two thirds of women after the age of fifty. Mm -hmm. Do we have our hormones to blame for this primarily? Mm. And can you explain why this ha this is happening? We definitely have our hormones to blame, but libido is complicated. So 
I wouldn't say that it's primarily any one factor. The way I describe it is libido for women is the cherry on top of perfection. So what I mean by that is we need to feel good about ourselves. We need to feel good about our partner with good intimacy. We need to be well slept. We need to be on top of our hormone health, our physical health. And then we have a robust libido. Whereas for men, it's the fix it button to all life's problems, a bad day at work, a traffic ticket on the way home, a fight with their partner. It is the fix it to the problem. Whereas for us, it is only when there are no problems that our libido is robust. So my approach and kind of helping to rewire desire needs to address the hormonal piece, testosterone being the king and queen of our libido when it comes to For hormones. women as well. Oh, oh, for sure for women. Yes, yes. For women, testosterone is our drive, not just our sex drive, but our verocity on, on life, our, our drive for life, our motivation. So it's apparent that sex drive can be lowered when going through menopause, right? Uh, or how about perimenopause? Because I feel like I'm going through perimenopause. I'm not at uh, at that stage of menopause yet, thank goodness. Oh, I'm not looking forward to it. Well, but I find that I'm the complete opposite okay. of losing my libido. I'm so glad so you mentioned So can you this. help me understand why this is happening to me? Because shouldn't it have been shouldn't it have started by now? So I'm so glad you mentioned this on air because you briefly mentioned this to me last session and I said I think I can peg your hormones and know exactly where you are just by that report because actually what happens to the extent to which our libido is hormonally driven which it is we actually have a surge, a little relative increase in our testosterone in our perimenopausal years, the years just before our final period or our menopause. So as our female sex hormones are falling off the cliff, our estrogen's taking a nosedive, we have a relative increase in testosterone. It's only typically about one to two years after the final period that we start to have the decline of our testosterone, which is a lot like the andropause of men. We have the slow decline in our male sex hormones. And to the extent to which our hormonal libido declines, that would really explain why typically about two years after menopause, there goes libido. But don't forget that in perimenopause or not sleeping, we may have flashes, we're moody, oh. We're we have flashes, We're fighting right. with our partner. So there's many other contributing factors to a languishing libido of perimenopause. But your surging libido is probably that relatively high testosterone. And I can't wait till you come and I can test you and we can does come back on air and high confirm. Wait, okay, so high testosterone, does that mean I'm going to start growing facial hair? Remember I also said it's why your voice, I can tell in your voice. Remember? <laughs> okay, but I'm not getting hairier, so... Some women do actually very commonly notice I see, yeah, I, I used to have a acne girlfriend. and wrinkles at the same time. It's not fair, right? I, and I used to have a girlfriend that would pluck her the hairs under her chin. Yeah, so we call that hirsutism is a medical word. It's, you know, a mouthful so I she, know. Well, she couldn't but see because she was losing her eyesight, oh. so she'd get me to pluck them. In. <laughs> well, though, those kind of issues, acne and, and hair, it's hair growth where you don't want it. It's hair loss where you want it. Those are physical manifestations often of high androgen high testosterone. But the other kind of complaint, so tell me if you experience any of this, feeling really on edge, almost anxious, or like really tightly wired, feeling a little overwhelmed or stressed, like almost too wound up. Not quite, not right now, but I have. Okay. So mm -hmm. those can it comes be, and goes. Those can be the negative um, sort of subjective symptoms. Not sleeping. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's driving me crazy, yeah, actually. That, I've been taking uh, magnesium for the last few nights, so, and somebody told me to increase my omega-3s. 
Yeah, well, the idea that not sleeping probably goes back to some of the other hormonal challenges of perimenopause that we spoke about last session. Now, for those experiencing a low libido and seem to be losing their sex drive, what can uh, those what can those women do? Well, what I do every day in practice is talk to women about uh, this important goal of reviving a languishing libido, because firstly, women who remain sexually active in their later lives actually score their quality of life as higher. So whether or not they're and physically And we live longer, health, right? If we, we have more sex? Not only live longer longevity-wise, but we have greater health span. We have a better quality of life. So sex in our later years is really important. And if you don't use it, you lose it. And how can you tie the two together? How, how do they go hand in hand? Well, there's a lot of positive physical and hormonal changes and a lot of um, positive social changes that happen to women who are sexually active insofar as that sexual activity being in, within a partnership. And so we know that all of those like connectedness, the positive hormonal changes, the physical changes, again, like all muscles, if you don't use it, you lose it. All of those are really um, conducive to not only more life longer life, but better quality of life. So when I talk to women about this challenge, the goal and the challenge of achieving it, it's all about the mind-body approach. Because unlike men's common problem of erectile dysfunction, there will never be a magic bullet for libido. So this is not a one-pill-fix-it kind of problem. It's complicated, it's a process, and it's a mind-body process. And so that is why there are virtually no products on the market for female libido. And does every woman go through this? Is, is, no, is there a way of fighting not, this? Can I reverse this? Yes, there there is. But everyone's journey to address this challenge is going to be unique. So if we say mind body, what do I mean? Well, first, it's that idea of cherry on top of perfection. So let's work on your sleep. Let's work on your mood. Let's work on factors that affect, affect the environment or the relationship. So, you know, intimacy, feeling connected with your partner. One um, very well-shown uh, libido booster, but one I can never prescribe to a patient, is a new partner. So it is well known that one of the best libido boosters is a new partner. And as so just I, change your partner every six well, months. Well, I, I said make it new with the partner. You know, new room, <laughs> new, new toys, new something that will bring novelty into the game. The other idea, of course, is that females really depend on foreplay for arousal. And interestingly, libido and arousal can pull each other forward so that if you're not strong with your libido, your desire, if your partner's good, you've given him the romat, he knows your erotic zones, which are not your sexual zones, he can make that arousal kick in. We're talking about sexual libido and going through the change of life tonight on the Dating and Relationship Show. It's only getting more interesting. Interesting. Stay with us. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. All right, let's uh, continue our conversation about sexual libido when going through the change of life. So I know that by taking medications such as antidepressants, uh, this can also decrease sexual drive. Do you have any advice for people that are on these drugs? Is there a way to stimulate their sexual desire without getting off the meds? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, firstly, the reasons that patients are on antidepressants, they themselves will affect libido. So whether it's a mood disorder or a very stressful life uh, situation. So I think it's important to realize that it's not a black and white discussion. It's not It's not a really clear um, cause-effect situation. But we do know that most antidepressants, not all, 
antidepressants like Prozac-type pills, SSRIs, and even their cousins, those that are like Effexor or SNRIs, they are known to have this problematic side effect of inhibiting or, or decreasing libido. And so what I would typically do with a patient who's on appropriately on medication for a real reason that they need to continue taking this medication, then we will look at some other um, options to help boost libido, such as addressing the things we've talked about, hormonal factors, so maybe giving them a trial of testosterone therapy. Testosterone in women is a phenomenal way to boost libido, and that can be used in conjunction with them continuing on an antidepressant. Of course, all the mind-body things that we talked about, intimacy, arousal, foreplay, I mean, all that stuff's going to be really important. But then lastly, when we just come to the medical management, I think it's really important to know two things. One is that optimal dosing of antidepressants may be tweaking what they're on and adding enhancements, like addressing thyroid, okay? And that, in so doing, would potentially increase libido. And the second is that some of those booster treatments are other antidepressants who have the opposite effect when it comes to libido and actually are libido enhancers. And one example of that would be Wellbutrin. So Wellbutrin on its own is not a great mood drug. It's not a great antidepressant on its own usually. It may, for some individuals, work well as an adjunct or a booster treatment to like, let's say, a, a lower dose of a Prozac-type drug. And last Lastly, I'll just mention that a very exciting story newly approved in Canada is a, let's call it refurbished antidepressant that works totally different than everything else on the market. It actually increases dopamine, our connectedness to other people, while decreasing serotonin, which kind of decreases our inhibition. And while it wasn't successful as an antidepressant, it has been shown to work very well as a libido booster. So that is now available from a doctor by prescription in Canada. Very, very interesting. Okay, now, how about, uh, is there anything we can do naturally? Have you heard of those Kegel exercises? Yeah, so (laughs) Kegels are a key part to vaginal health, but not libido. Okay, so Kegels are something that are um, effective when done correctly over a period of time, repeated on a daily basis. It's an exercise that helps tighten your pelvic muscles. Strengthen your pelvic floor. And enhance sensations during sex. And can we just, we can just do it, like I can do it right now. Yeah, you can do it throughout the time. I Again, (laughs) I I kind of beg to differ that it's a libido booster, but when you've got a healthy vagina, to me, the healthy vagina piece, I call it vaginal vitality, is a key cornerstone to your overall sexuality. But remember, just backing up, there's different aspects to sexuality. So libido is our number one problem. I started talking about the second factor, arousal, and how arousal, that's in the moment, our ability to get excited. We can use our arousal, which actually is usually intact for women, to bring the libido forward. You know, if our desire typically isn't great, but he's good at foreplay, our libido can kick in. The next step is orgasm. Can we actually reach a climax? And that also diminishes our ability to achieve it. And the intensity of our orgasm, if we achieve it, is diminished with age and hormones and other factors. And the last cornerstone to our sexuality is vaginal health. So to the extent that Kegels and pelvic floor strengthening and exercises play a role, yeah, they're important for vaginal health. But I would say that would take a second to vaginal lubrication. And that's where vaginal estrogen is really important and lubricants. Okay, is that why uh, women experience a lot of pain during menopause is because of the lubrication? Yes. 
Is that the only reason? No, mismatch with your partner, positions, friction, other reasons may exist, sores, infection, but yeah, that would be number one. An estimated 17 to 45% of menopausal women say sex can be painful. Hurt. Yeah. So I, if a guy <laughs> gets Viagra... Look forward to. Yeah, if a guy gets Viagra or any Viagra-like pill, it is so important to work with that partner. Remember I said if you don't use it, you lose it. So the vagina is going to become, you know, altered in, in capacity to actually allow penetration and lubrication status. These are all much more easily addressable symptoms or issues with a qualified expert. Okay, what about the emotional side effects that come along with having a low sex drive? How can we overcome these symptoms? I think it's huge on a relationship. I see lots of men come in with their female partners um, where she may be struggling with a low libido and his erectile dysfunction because, you know, we were talking about it. 50% of men at 50 already have erectile dysfunction. So he wants it, can't achieve it or can't maintain it. She doesn't want it, but can do it. It's a total mismatch. And so it is a big um, drain on relationships. It can affect intimacy. Um, and, and reversely, a sexually engaged or connected partnership is usually considered stronger. Right. And according to a survey conducted by AARP magazine, 60% of divorces are, in, are initiated by women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And that's a huge spike. I know that women are not alone, though, suffering from changes because men also have midlife challenges, both physically and emotionally. Um, declining testosterone can affect libido, moods, and sexual performance. And... Um, if both partners are experiencing change, the relationship may be on an emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how would you say that a partner can best support a woman going through menopause and vice versa? How can we support our men going through these changes as well? And we can start with the women first. Yeah. Well, whereas women's primary issue is libido, and I said libido is the cherry on top of perfection, a man or, or a partner, regardless of gender, a, a partner who's fully engaged in supporting her overall well-being is going to be key to success. You know, ensuring that she feels good about herself, that there's good intimacy, connectedness, date nights, novelty, all of that stuff's going to be really important, and the roadmap. So I use that word. What I mean by that is a female able to direct her partner to where those erogenous zones are. You know, is it the earlobe, the nape of the neck, you know, the foot? The erogenous zones will change over the, over our aging. So in our 20s, it may be one, and as we age, it may be something else, and allowing him or her, the partner, to better fulfill your needs in arousal is going to be really important. And vice versa, his number one concern is erectile dysfunction. So I think on that end, if she notices that problem in her male partner, letting him know there is help out there because medications on demand can work. Okay, I want to come back to this conversation because I have more to add to that. You're tuned in to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, the dating and relationship show. We're talking about sexual libido when we come back. You're listening to the dating and relationship show with Laura Bellotta. From singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We are having a conversation tonight on the dating and relationship show on sexual libido when going through the change of life. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Joining me tonight is Dr. Jennifer Perlman. She's a medical doctor with a focused practice in the area of women's health and wellness. So before the break, we Dr. Jennifer Perlman was giving us advice on how men can support their women. So I have a few points as well 
uh, to add to that. I think it's important for men to educate themselves and learn everything that they can about menopause Mm -hmm. and what changes and experiences are common in this area. And also too, right, Dr. Jennifer, um, once they realize that the mood swings and hot flashes are very typical and has nothing to do with them and what they're doing, then they can probably just relax about, you know, the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And how about being patient? Yeah. I think that's also important. Oh my gosh, she said that. You know, cut her some slack when she seems angry or sad and uh, you need to know that it's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. And I think um, communication is always so important in Mm -hmm. a relationship, in every aspect of a relationship. So tell your partner that you want to be helpful and at least she knows that you're on her side Mm -hmm. I think when we talk relationships and I know you you do this on a regular basis to me there's four pillars because I see it a lot and I see it a lot perhaps from the female lens but as I said a lot of male partners actually are concerned and may come with their partners so there's four pillars because love is vague but when it comes to an enduring relationship I see trust I see patience I see communication being open and communicative and empathy, you know, like instead of jumping on your partner, stopping and think, "Mm, why is he coming home all, you know, ruffled and what happened during his day that's led him to, you know, act like this. So I see those four pillars as really important. I think you mentioned pretty much all of them. So let's talk about how we can best support our men too that might be going through erectile dysfunction issues because I, I think it's a very, very common thing especially for men over, mm-hmm. I think, over 45. Yeah. I mean, well, they say, so we say 50% of men at 50. Okay. So common, for 50%. sure. 50%? 50% of men at 50. That doesn't mean it starts then. It means some in their 40s, but by 50, 50%. And I don't think a lot of men realize how, like, the numbers. Yeah. Right? Or even that it's happened, right? But if they think back to what it was like, to um, engage in or intercourse in their 20s and what it takes for them to reach orgasm in their in their you know 50s or 60s it's different and and so what does erectile dysfunction mean let's just back up it means that they can achieve an erection but that they may not be able to achieve or maintain or control yeah or control it control when it's going to happen Right. But the key is that is it even um, conducive to intercourse, to penetration and intercourse? And certainly is it conducive to allowing a partner, perhaps a female partner, to um, achieve orgasm with him? So it's a it's a mismatch. But it's a very different phenomenon than female, the, the discussion around female libido. So how women can support is, again, education that she should learn and educate him, realizing erectile dysfunction is highly linked with cardiovascular health. There may be other risks at play and that he should definitely be over, you know, overall checked over, that there are options for treatment, and that may include um, government-approved, health can-approved medication. And lastly, it does take a rejigging of the connectedness, the way you connect during intercourse, let's say, and just patience with that process. I think you need to be compassionate too. I think that women can do a number on men when it comes to that. They Always. really can. I've seen it. Always. And uh, and try not to be verbally express. You know, try not to verbally express your disappointment. I know it's difficult to do, but you know, they're going through something. So maybe just work on it together rather mm-hmm. than getting really upset about it because it really does do a number on men. I mm-hmm. really have seen a this a lot it's very common yeah it is common and you know presumably I mean they're uh, to dating a, guys in their 50s but so to a man but to a man like their penis is everything right yeah, it's a and be able, being able to perform it really is yeah well 
I think that's where the connectedness in other ways is going to be really important. Yeah, and maybe focus um, on intimacy rather than having sex. I mean, sex is not the only way that you can feel close to your partner. There's kissing, caressing, whatever happened to kissing. Yeah, so that's where I back up and I say sex is not only one way of achieving intercourse or penetration. There's lots of other ways to be sexually intimate. And I think those are really important for all aspects. Everything we talked about, her libido, her, you know, arousal, patience with him, allowing him to, you know, do it in other ways, even non-partnered ways. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Tonight on the uh, Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, we are having a conversation around sexual desire and how to handle your relationship when going through these changes. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, your host, and Dr. Jennifer Perlman is here. She's an international expert on women's health, hormones, and aging. And uh, before the break, we were talking about different forms of intimacy rather than having sex, because the sex is not the end all be all, although some people think it is. I mean, but some people, I mean, it, it is everything to them, right? So mm-hmm. when um, you're having sex with a man or your partner and he know, you know, he's having these erectile dysfunction issues, I mean, some women are just so quick to judge and get upset and we are suggesting not to do that, just to be a little bit more compassionate because it can really affect a man's brain. Yeah, and remember that there's lots of other ways that um, you can connect. You know, we have other digits. Yeah, we what have are our some... mouths. We have just close physical contact. All right, let's talk about toys and technologies that are available to help around intimacy and libido. So in the old days, I would direct couples to the local sex toy shop. But these days with Amazon, you can do it really discreetly. Find new ways to invigorate, add novelty and excitement to that encounter. And so, you know, those kind of things, whether it's vibration or heat or dilators, um, there's many, many options that uh, can help to, let's say, um, rekindle the flame in, in the bedroom during these encounters. But beyond that, there's some science-based treatments, technologies, t- tools that you can use both in the clinic with me or, you know, in the privacy of your own home. So, for instance, there are different technologies now being used for um, addressing issues, very common issues like vaginal dryness pain with intercourse. And we're smart, we women, if it's hurting, we don't want it. So that's something that we offer in the clinic. Uh, We actually offer the first and only device built for the vagina for um, targeting these issues, vaginal dryness, pain with intercourse, and actually issues around bladder control. At home, there's tools that you can use too. Um, One very neat device is the V-Sculpt, which uses four technologies, so heat, low-level laser therapy, a little bit of vibration, and the stimulating effect, the physical effect of the dilator to actually help to um, rekindle sensation and the capacity to achieve um, a positive sexual encounter. 
There are other treatments that you may want to consider. We talked about hormonal therapies and not hormonal therapies, uh, whether they're pharmaceutical. I mentioned antidepressants that have the opposite of the typical effect on libido, but also some herbal things that can be really useful. So this is... What type of herbal things? Well, aphrodisiacs and, uh, you know, taken right out of traditional... Yeah, aphrodisiac uh, foods would include oysters, chocolate, of course. Is that true? It is. We know the I high it was zinc content of oysters and the texture is very sensual, the appearance, all of that. So aphrodisiac foods would include oysters, but aphrodisiac herbs may include things like ginseng, horny goat weed. Horny goat weed. Yeah, they're all taken from ancient Peruvian, in that case, Chinese or Ayurvedian medicine. Some people say that weed or marijuana is an aphrodisiac. Have you well, heard of that? To the extent, like I was talking about, and people the say drug, they have amazing sex, right? Because it's, it's going to disinhibit, right? And remember, with marijuana, it's a plant. It's got a variable content of both CBD and THC. So, depending on the content of both of those cannabinoids, it'll have a differing effect on libido. But to the extent that it's going to disinhibit, to the extent that it's going to calm some underlying anxiety. Yeah, it could be helpful, but it really depends what the underlying issue is. Now, uh, on the break, you were uh, mentioning something about an increase in infidelity for couples in their later years, make past, you know, in their 40s, 50s and 60s. And can you talk a little bit about that? Well, you alluded to it in that quote. You said, you know, we've got this far more mobile female demographic in our, you know, sort of 40, 50s and 60s that are out there in the workplace. They know their choices. They know what's out there. And maybe like the men of this, you know, 70s and 80s where divorce rates uh, were probably opposite to what you quoted, they too are um, exposed to other options. But more than ever, divorce is expensive and it's complicated. And so what I what I meant by saying infidelity is the new divorce is that you do have people stepping out of their relationship, but realizing all of perhaps beyond the sexual uh, aspect that may have drawn them outside, there are so many other um, draws that keep them within the relationship, whether it's financial, whether it's children, whether it's logistical, whether it's other forms of commitment. So infidelity in many ways is a new divorce, and it's as often female-led as it at one time was male-led. Come on. It's it's as female-led as male? It's what I see. I Come, see a lot. Really, you see a lot. How do you see that? Well, in, in, in your practice, practice, that's female. So, uh, you know, I do see, I'd say, 95% of my So women will come female. clean to you? Well, women, I don't even think of it as coming clean. I mean, I we're partners in their best health and well-being. So, you know, whether it's testing for sexually transmitted infection, helping to support their emotional well-being, it's never an admission because I'm completely non-judgmental. Like I, I use that language of CIO, CEO, because we're like literally co-running the journey of their best health and knowing things like an encounter outside a relationship and the toll. Look, I'm married and I'm, I'm a mother and, you know, I'm living in the modern world too. I can only imagine that one or two encounters outside a relationship is a lifelong burden that that woman will carry to some extent emotionally. When we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, We're going to talk about how we can rewire our sexual drive. We'll be right back.
You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We are talking about rewiring our sexual drive after going through the change of life, which is called menopause, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellotta. Dr. Jennifer Perlman is is here. She's a medical doctor and uh, she has a focused practice in the area of women's health and wellness. So uh, Dr. Perlman, what ways uh, can we improve our sex life with our partners if our sex drive just isn't there? Can you summarize it for us again? Like how can we rewire our sexual drive? Of course. So we talked a lot about, you know, some of the ideas, but let's scintillate it into takeaway tips that your audience can actually implement on their own. And the first is really important. It's clearing the mental slate, taking away the day's worries, the to-do list, the things you need for your kids for their lunch tomorrow. That's so hard to do. You have to check out. No, this is hard. You must be present. So I have some tips I go through with patients, but you must be present to get primal because sex is a primal urge whereas our to-do list is very cognitive get okay, well, out of your head and into your should loins. we be planning you know like maybe friday at 7 p.m so that's my next idea is around intimacy and yes the in modern our modern worlds we need to plan to be intimate the kids would be around or work is in the way so inspire intimacy with some planning and organization to make you know whether it's a date night a candlelit dinner something that really allows you to have that connectedness with your partner because for women our connections um, are really important for our dopamine and our libido and so too I'm not sure that would work in an early relationship but I think it works fine in a marriage but remember that in an early relationship you've got the novelty factor that I said that in a long time marriage you cannot necessarily prescribe a new partner right so the third idea is really important too and this is one that the woman is working on all the time on her own whether a partner's there or not and that is sensuality stop smell the roses taste your food add natural herbs to your meals you know really think about fragrance that you're wearing or scented candles become a more sensual being what makes you feel sexy yes and sensual also with him like pick his fragrance because if you don't like his you know if he's wearing a cologne and it's you know back to that whole concept of our olfactory nerve and the signals that may we may send out pheromones the pheromones exactly well they exist in the animal kingdom and to some extent they exist in humans not to some extent they do so make sure that his signal is in sync with yours. And that that's that whole concept of being sensual. But just think of it as much more than just what cologne he's wearing. It's much more about all of the senses. And there's many ways that we can elicit it, including we talked a little bit before about aphrodisiac foods and aphrodisiac um, herbs, like I mentioned, ginseng and horny goat weed. And so then I would talk about what do you do in the moment? And in the moment, it is so important to know the importance of foreplay for women. We can't get right to it. Foreplay involves the arousal, our arousal response. And our arousal response in women is usually intact, even if libido is languishing. Our arousal will come with, you know, stimulation of our erogenous zones. I discussed these are different than our sexual zones where often he may go to. So give him the roadmap. Is it your ear? Is it the nape of your neck? There's many 
to you know places to um, achieve this and it's different for each of us and it changes throughout our can we perform our own foreplay so when he gets home we're ready to go Uh, you can, but it's never going to be as effective as a partnered foreplay because, again, you're in your brain. You're thinking about what you're doing as opposed to being truly primal. I talked about the novelty factor. So with foreplay and intimacy, bring that into it, whether it's a new location that you're doing it in, whether it's a new sex toy. We talked about some of these things. And we alluded to the role of hormones, but let me come back to that because that is super powerful for women. Testosterone boosts all aspects of sexuality, libido, arousal, and orgasm. Okay, now, everything about menopause seems to be so negative and so depressing. (laughs) I think so anyway. Is there anything about going through the change of life that we should look forward to or can look forward to? Please help me here. Well, I think one really interesting fact is that we are now living at a time where menopause marks our midlife. And for, you know, generations before and every other species, menopause, the end of our reproductive life for women marks the end of their life. So we have half our life to live where we can just focus on being our best selves. And the choices we make around our menopause, around our midlife, through lifestyle, through relationships, through maintaining sexuality, as we've talked about today, through hormone health, they will set the stage for how well we age and how much we can enjoy that second half of our life. I'm still not uh, convinced, Dr. Perlman. But you haven't been yet to see me. We'll change your thinking. What is one piece of advice that you want to leave with the women listening? We have about a minute left. Well, since this was about all about sex, I would say the most important message here is that sex is for you. Sexuality is much, much more than partnered intercourse. And women who remain sexual into their later years literally live longer and better. So sex is for you. Thank you so much, Dr. Jennifer Perlman, for joining us again. If anybody wants to listen to last week's podcast, they can uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Dating and Relationship Show. All the podcasts are listed there. Uh, And uh, again, thank you. Although many women experience uh, changes physically and emotionally, there are ways to embrace this, right, Dr. Jennifer? And ways to conquer these feelings. I hope today has helped some women who are going through these changes or for some women that, that know these changes are just around the corner. There are ways to feel good and empowered when you are reaching this point in your life. This is what Dr. Jennifer says anyways. And I hope we've answered some questions uh, you may have when it comes to hormones and menopause. Thanks, Jennifer. And if anyone is uh, having trouble navigating these changes of life or is interested in hormone therapy, how can they reach out to you? So we are located in Toronto. We see women actually from all over all over the world. We are online at pearlrejuvenation.com, on Instagram at pearlmdrejuvenation. And our phone number is 416-644-1112. And for anyone who's interested in hearing more about uh, this topic and others, we do a monthly newsletter, Pearls of Wisdom, and you can sign up on our website. Thank you so much. And you can follow us on Instagram, The Dating and Relationship Show. You can also follow my personal account, Official Laura Bellotta. Check out singleinthecity.ca for upcoming events. Thank you, everybody. Ciao for now. Until next week. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.